Okay then, time to get myself into a black and white frame of mind. And why are you doing this again, Sporty? Why are you talking about this? Well, no reason. <laughs> oh, come on. You must have a reason. You must be, you know, secretly you're desperate to talk about it. No, it's, uh, I'm not desperate to talk about it. I'm not desperate, and I'm obviously not desperate to not talk about it, or I wouldn't be talking about it, you know. I just happen to be talking about it. I'm not even quite sure how I got onto it. Uh, I think my GD uh, has a lot to do with it. Um, definitely, when it comes to rap, I've been exposed to rap music, you know, or rap chanting, or whatever you call it. Rap poetry, rap rhythm and poetry. You know, I've been exposed to that. In my life, I don't think I would have been exposed to rap, but for my goddaughter, you know. And um, I would have lived, you know, obviously everyone knows about rap music, you know, that it exists. Uh, you know, but you can insulate yourself from all that stuff. I'm just not interested, you know. And uh, not interested in the art form itself. Don't like the sound of it. All that sort of stuff, you know. Um, but my goddaughter is very interested in it on all sorts of levels. And, uh, and because we talk a lot, I happen to be exposed to it. And that introduces me to, you know, that gets the whole black and white thing going a lot. It really does. Stop the press. I like stopping the press in this episode because this is going to be the longest episode in history. Right, uh, I, I mentioned there, I noticed uh, that I said uh, don't like rap much. Uh, but rap is, uh, it depends how you define rap, but rappers, rappers, um, they seem to, you know, uh, depends, depends how you define it. And uh, there's a guy I've been um, mentioning that my goddaughter introduced me to called Naz. Naz. And he's the one that I've been using because he's the one she's been using to describe, you know, the whole, well, black and white thing, especially in America and the way it stands today, you know, from the African-American perspective at least. You know, and I'm sure there's a, uh, a white American perspective too and then there's the perspective as I'm saying throughout this episode of a whole lot of other people you know for whom um, the whole black and white you know the obsession with black and white really isn't there most of the day you know like they get up in the morning and the and the, the first thing they're not thinking is um, you know whether their cornflakes are black or white you know there's there are a lot of people like that you know now, I happen to be in this episode uh, devoting, dedicating this episode to um, someone I call AB, a friend, um, who's an Ethiopian, who, um, you know, um, really wants to bring everything back to black and white. And then I'm, um, and also to Captain W.E. Johns, um, who's on the opposite side of the black and white divide. You know, because there is a divide, even if there's not a divide in your head, and it doesn't matter what colour anybody is, for a lot of people it doesn't matter, it does matter, you know. So, you know, you, you can say it doesn't matter what colour you are, you know, but you can't say that for everybody, because for a lot of people it does matter. So even if you say it doesn't matter, it does matter. Isn't it 
funny, you know, that's science, isn't it? How can something matter and not matter at the same time? Well, like that, just like I said. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, and also, um, um, I know somebody else, I don't wanna know, I don't wanna identify people too closely, but I know somebody else who's Ethiopian in my, you know, GD's um, circle, um, and, it must be something about him that uh, the whole idea of skin colour and the whole, you know, all that black and white angst and all that sort of stuff is absolutely not relevant, you know. You, he's the sort of guy you could meet and you, you forget what colour he is straight away. And it's his body language, it's his attitude. He really doesn't care about all that stuff. You know, he, um, <laughs> he, he actually told me he was Irish because he's a bit of a shite stirrer. Um, when I first met him, he said, uh, you know, I said, oh, where do you come from anyway? Expecting him to sort of say somewhere, from somewhere in Ethiopia, you know. And he said, oh, I'm Irish, actually. I said, oh, right, fair enough. You know, he's got dark skin, but, you know, he could easily have a, an Irish mum or dad, you know what I mean? And all that sort of thing. And I, I bought it hook, line and sinker. And I found out he was Irish because he was telling a fib there. <laughs> um, you know, and um, so he wasn't Irish at all. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so NAS, I've been, I've been using NAS a lot, and now, when, now, definitions of rap. The definition of rap I'm working on, as to what rap is, I'm thinking straight rap, you know, which is really not about the music, it's about the uh, poetry, you know. Um, the purest form of rap, as far as I can tell, is, you know, it's, it doesn't need the pop music interspersed with the rap, you know. I often feel the pop, you know, because a lot of rap songs have samples of pop music interspersed or pop-like music, you know. So they're not straight rap songs in my book. They're rap mixed in with, with pop music, you know, pop-sounding music or literal samples of pop music, some Bee Gees song or whatever. Um, and I feel that's just to lighten up the rap. Otherwise it's too, um, you know, you just need a bit of a break, you know, in, within the song. And then there's a whole other genre that is pop music that's got a little rap section in the middle. That's really popular. Now these songs I don't call rap songs, you know. Like a pop music song with a rap bit in the middle, which is really popular at the moment, um, you know, uh, um, that is still a pop song. I wouldn't call that a rap song. And I, th I think most people would call it, it'd be in the pop charts, wouldn't it? Wouldn't be in the rap charts, would it? You know, it's a pop song with a little rap bit in the middle, you know. Uh, that's, you, you must know a lot of songs like that, I'd add a bet. Right, then there's another sort of song that's, you know, sort of primarily a rap song, but they've put the pop song as the incidental bit in between so that's the opposite you know but i still don't call that straight rap um i i say that's rap with relief you know rap broken up a bit so that it's not in your face so much it's not so punch 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 with the poetry you know um but then what i call you know within that song you've got a rap song um with pop bits in it but the pop bits aren't rap you know, the pop bits are relief from rap, you know, so you can't call the whole thing a rap song. 
um, in my opinion, as far as I can tell, you know, cool, that, that's what I think rap is, as far as I can tell. And then you've got the straight rap song, where someone's really got a bee in their bonnet, you know, or they want to tell you how they've made big, um, you know, and um, they're rich now, and rich enough to afford, you know, you know a male rapper, rapper, a rapper, um, a male rapper who has got super wealthy from making rap songs and now has 20 women around his pool all to himself and he's invited his mates around, you know. I don't know what feminists make of all of that. And they've all got big bums and I'm talking the blokes. No, I'm not. <laughs> all right, so that, that's rap. Now, I think that, and now, now there's another thing called hip hop and I've never quite worked out what the difference is. But rap, I think, is the sort of protest sort of, um, or getting things, or you know, sharing your deepest feelings. I think rap is all that stuff. It's sharing your deepest feelings in the way that rock and roll doesn't. You know, rock and roll's more for fun, you know. Rock and roll, you're, you're talking in riddles and double entendres and metaphors, and basically it's for a laugh, you know. That's the essence of rock and roll. But the essence of rap, as I mentioned, I think, in a previous episode, the essence of rap is to um, reach deep into your soul and push that on everybody. Now, I do mean push it because the, you know, see how my language here, the way I'm speaking is fairly pushy, you know, push, because I'm, you know, I've, I've got my podcast voice on. So even the way I said it, the podcast voice, you know, I'm being a rapper there. I've got, you know, my, my, my speech has a pattern, you know, so um, if you listen to all these episodes, my speech has a pattern, you know, now see how I did that, my speech has a pattern, um, now that's syncopated the way I said that, you know, that's syncopated the way I said that, because my speech has a pattern, you know, I'm doing rap there, it's a natural rhythm of speech, you know, and now I did that, I overemphasized that, but what I'm saying there. Is I'm, I think I'm speaking with a certain amount of syncopation, you know, and there's a rhythm to the way I'm speaking, you know, and I'm speaking all the time, and if I all oh, put some rhyme in with that, then, you know, you would have rap, you know, and, and that's that, you know, and that's rap, you know, and I'm the king, and that's my thing, you know, and that's how you do rap, as far as I can tell, you know, if you, you know, and now, um... So, you know, it would be interesting to analyse my speech patterns in these podcasts than my speech pattern in real life. My speech pattern in real life is a lot less rhythmic because I'm bunging it on, you know. Um, I'm bunging it on here. Uh, and I think that's what rappers do. They bung it on a bit, you know. And then, um, they're all, you know, they're norm the normal street talk is bunged on. Um, I think rap might be normal street talk in America bunged on. You know, and my speech patterns here are my normal speech patterns, but bunged on. You know, um, so you know, you could actually analyse my speech patterns, and I'm sure there's rhythm and melody, rhythm and melody to it all. You know. Right now, rappers. Um, so uh, now there was a person called Naz, and this, the couple of songs that my goddaughter sent to me from Naz were straight rap. He just started with the rapping poetry. You know, he's, if you put all Naz's songs together, all his rap, all his straight rap, it would be very like listening to my podcasts. Um, you know, the average rapper goes on and on 
and on and on for years, right? So I might be a rapper in a very Western way, okay? So you might think I'm going on and on and on, and that's because I am. But in that respect, I'm no different to a rapper. You know, maybe you find their way of doing it more attractive than the way I do it. You know, they put a lot more work into making sure. I think they uh, lock the rhythm down and all that sort of stuff. I'm just doing it straight off the top of my head. You know, I'm just speaking really. Um, but I think they get a lot more. You know, they're like the ancient sort of Greek poets in that they make sure that they choose a certain rhythm and um, and make sure the words all fit into that and they make sure you know and they they go you know they don't do things straight off the top of their head surely you know nobody could come up with that many rhymes that quickly but they rhyme like crazy you know um rhyme right through most of them um there are exceptions to every rule of course but the rhyming you would have to sit down and write that down you couldn't yeah i know muhammad ali seemed pretty bad at that uh pretty good at that and little richard was pretty good at off the cuff you know rhyming jive um, you know, they were the early sort of uh, examples of that sort of thing. And um, Little Richard in the 1950s and then Muhammad Ali in the 1960s. Google Little Richard singing at Muhammad Ali's 50th birthday party, you know. That's funny. He's such a gay <laughs> Little Richard. He's more, yeah. um, I often pretend to be Little Richard in podcasts. Not this one, but other ones, you know. And um, in my writings, I often channel Little Richard to get a different perspective going, but there's a whole other story. That's rock and roll. Right, uh, so rap, yeah, so Naz um, has got all these rap. So, you know, there are people that go on and on and on, and a notable one is Kanye West. He goes on and on and on and never stops talking. So Kanye and I are, uh, are really, you know, spiritual brothers, and so, uh, so are Naz and I, you know, but we're talking about different things, that's all, um, but, you know, we never stop talking. And why? Because we're coded that way. God made us this way. That's the way it is. All right? Now, um, but Naz, yeah, so there's layers. So when I say I don't like rap, um, I pretty much don't like rap because it is uh, too pushy for me in the same way that I'm too pushy. You know, so we don't like ourselves in this world. You know what I mean? Um, there's a whole psychology around that. Uh, but then again, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm working very hard to not have listeners, you know. Um, I am taking steps in my podcast to make sure that I'm turning off listeners, making myself, um, you know, uh, I've, well, I don't know if you've listened to any of the, if you've gone this far, I'm amazed because I have, um, in previous episodes, um, taken steps to make sure that I've um, alienated everybody you know there are episodes where I've alienated anyone who might be um, uh, progressive um, I've alienated conservatives I've alienated socialists I've alienated anarchists I've alienated liberals I've alienated everybody you know uh, liberals there's two types of liberals isn't there there's kind of the American liberals and the Australian liberals that gets very confusing because my goddaughter talks to me about liberals and by and large because she's hooked into American politics a fair bit more than Australian politics um, I have to sort of keep reminding myself when she says liberal she means American liberals not Australian liberals you know because it doesn't make sense 
what she's saying if I think um, Australian liberals, uh, because Australian liberals are like John Howard and uh, you know our, our arch conservatives, you know as you might call them, Tony Abbott and all that sort of stuff, are uh, liberals. Um, they're the they were they've been our prime ministers, you know, of the leaders of the Liberal Party, um, and Scott Morrison, our current prime minister. You know, and these are all conservative guys, especially Tony Abbott and John Howard, very conservative, and the leaders of our Liberal Party. And then they're conservatives. And then my goddaughter talks about, oh, you know, she's uh, Candace Owens. She talks about and Larry someone, Larry Emder. It's not Larry Emder, someone who sounds like that, um, over there in America who are conservative anti-liberals, you know, which, which unless I shift my thinking, kind of confuses me, you know, conservative anti-liberals, you know, yeah, all right, I get it, you know, but their idea, you know, and she says, the problem with liberals, says Candace Owens, I haven't listened to any of her speeches, um, but I get told, um, and she says, what's wrong with liberals, you know? But she's not talking about Australian-type liberals, okay? So it's a very, very tricky thing because I don't, you know, historically, in my lifetime, the 56 years of my lifetime, I haven't really spent much time thinking about American politics. So my gut instinct is not Republicans and Democrats. My gut instinct when I'm thinking politics is um, Labor, you know, Liberal National Party, our Labour Party, our Liberal Party, our National Party, um, and all that sort of thing, you know. Okay, and our everything else. All right, our Democrats. I used to like our Democrats. Um, uh, now they had nothing to do with the American Democrats. Um, and see, that's confusing again, isn't it? They had nothing to do with the American Democrats. Uh, Don Chip. Um, yeah, I was young then, but I liked him, you know. Um, keep the bastards honest. I like the word bastards. I don't even call it swearing, you know. Um, but Don Chip was the, very, he created a very viable third or fourth party in Australia. Um, that A party that um, positioned itself in the middle. Not in the middle politically, but in between um, our liberal... Labour and National Parties and um, positioned his party, this fourth party, and gave it a role to keep the others honest, right? So he would smash Labour and he'd smash um, Liberal too, you know? Uh, and um, and I, I thought that was a really good model for Australia. I liked it at the time. Um, I liked having it there. Um, it ended up dying, uh, but just shows Australia hasn't got this quite the quite the stranglehold that the Republicans and the Democrats in America have. Now, if Don Chip actually shut down his party in Australia and opened it in America, he couldn't he couldn't call it the Democrats because the word Democrats, as Don Chip understood it, has a different meaning in America. He would be in opposition to the Democrats. So the Australian Democrat, yeah, the leader of the Australian Democrat Party, um, would be the enemy of the American Democrats. You know, that sort of thing. 
because he would be over there trying to keep the Democrats honest, you know. So he'd have to come up with another word, you know, another title for his party. That's the way it goes. Right. Okay, so rap. Um, and with rap, exposed to it, you know, I mean straight rap. But then there's a danger if, in me saying, number one, there's a danger in me saying I don't like rap because as soon as I do that, someone puts some rap in front of me and I like it. And that has happened to me before. Um, but I still don't like rap. Huh? You said you do like rap sometimes. Yes, sometimes. You know, this is Facebook thinking when um, people say, you know, you try and say, I don't like rap, you know. And then they put a song in front of you and you say on social media, you know, I'm not on social media, but if I was, um, what about this song? I said, I love that. And they said, but you said, ha ha, we gotcha, gotcha, you know. I said, no, you didn't get me. They said, we did. Look, you just, I've got a black and white. I'm going to screenshot that. I gotcha. You know, he said, you didn't get me. I said, I did. You just said you like rap. No, I said, I like that rap song. I, I don't think Facebook's got that nuance. I don't think that Facebook has got that power of nuance. Because everything is in, everything, every, um, a, one screenshot of a small portion of everything you've ever said becomes all of you. Right? So if somebody can make a screenshot of something you've said, that entirely defines you. This is a major thing with me about social media because what I do here in my podcast, speak for hours and hours and hours to a point where nobody on earth could even possibly listen to it, um, is an anathema, an anathema um, to social media. What um, if I was a politician, what a typical social media person who hated my guts, what they would do is listen to these hours and hours and find one grab seven seconds long that, you know, let's say it's a conservative person on social media. They'd go through this podcast and they'd find one grab where I say, look, I'm a socialist progressive and it really worries me what the conservatives are doing in this country. And they would actually put, the, and I actually do say that somewhere in this series of podcasts, uh, because I am a socialist and a progressive in some ways, you know, I am. Um, and then, you know, and sometimes I say I'm not, you know, sometimes in the same sentence, you know, you might think I'm Donald Trump being able to do that, but I'm doing it in a different way from Donald Trump. I'm doing it in the sense that, yes, I am socially, you know, I am a socialist and I am progressive and I am a conservative all at once. And if you think that's stupid, then, you know, um, it's not because Australia's like that too. They're, you know, we're capitalist in Australia, but we're socialist as well. We have huge, uh, heaps of socialist elements in our society. Health and education is run basically on socialist lines in Australia, much more so than, much more so than in America. Um, universal health care and all that sort of thing. That's socialist, you know. And state schools, you know, as we have them in Australia, that's socialism, you know. So we are a socialist. Australia is everything, you know. It's a bit of everything. Um, it's capitalist and it's socialist and it's everything else. Okay? So, and I'm a bit like that too. And that makes me really Australian, really. Um, perhaps with the exception of I'm not very indigenous. You know, but that's why I'm doing this podcast, to expose myself to indigenous stuff a little bit more. Um, so... You know, as evil as I seem to be coming across, 
in exploring Indigenous Australia, which has sort of been the main sort of area of this podcast. In the act of exploring Indigenous Australia, I come across as often as not um, not speaking in the way that you know um, progressives would like me to speak, with uh, not with the reverential, compassionate reverential tone, you know. Um, not speaking about Indigenous Australia with the compassionate and reverential tone. And if I was an Indigenous person, I would be saying not being quite respectful enough, you know, and not shutting up enough for a start. A lot of Indigenous people say, you know, you, you, yeah, a lot of, you know, you speak too much. You just play, why don't you say nothing and just listen for a change, you know? And my answer to that is, well, like Kanye West, I have been coded to talk. God made me talk, you know, or the land made me talk. The rainbow snake made me talk, you know. You know um, why am I, you know, why am I whatever height I am? Because that's the height I am. All right. So, but getting back to rap, uh, Naz, yes, there's a danger, number one danger when I'm, listening to rap is say, I don't like rap. Now what I'm doing is a generalisation there. And I could always say, with the exception, you know, except where exceptions break the rule, my rule is that I don't like rap. You know what I mean? I could do that all the time, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm imagining we're all sophisticated enough to know that when I am, um, when I am um, generalising, I, I, it is taken as a given that I mean except for the exceptions. How's that sound? Okay. Uh, you have to have a bit of nuance when you're listening to things. Um, all right. Um, so, you know, when, um, when people say, you know, Christians are a pain in the ass, you know. Um, obviously, that don't mean every Christian, you know. Um, I'm sure there could be one Christian that isn't. But what they mean is in general, you know what I mean? Okay. So, uh, rap. So, yes. Um, but, 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 but more than then, the more than that, you know, there's a danger of saying, um, Naz, you know, the two songs I've heard from Naz, um, yeah. Look, I know where he's coming from, and that's what this particular episode's about. It's about trying to get into Naz's shoes, or AB's shoes, if you remember him. I mentioned him earlier in the episode. To try and walk a mile, or, in, or to try and get inside the head of people like Naz and my friend AB, who bring everything back to black and white, alright? That's what the idea of this particular episode is about. And people like Captain W.E. Johns, the writer of Biggles books, who tries to ever bring everything back to black and white. You know, it's true, there, there is that, so I have to be understanding of that, and that's what I'm trying to be understanding about in this episode. Um, but... There's, um, there's a danger also of saying, I don't like Naz, you know. But then someone might come along and give me a Naz song that's not even really rap. And without further ado, I have such a song here sitting on my iPhone this whole time while I was talking, driving to work. Um, I have such a song right here. And I'll play it, and I loved it. Um, my, both my goddaughter and my daughter played it for me. And I thought it was pretty funny. Um, and uh, I'll put it on now and um, stop talking for a bit and we'll just have a listen.
Um, and here it comes now, because I've stopped, I pulled over to do that because I'm a good person. I think it's coming. And this is by Naz. Our exact opposite style. And Billy Ray Cyrus. even really know what the song's about <laughs> but I like it and it's by Naz and Billy Ray Cyrus it actually says Lil Naz X who I presume is Naz you know if it's not well whatever <laughs> you know that shoots my entire <laughs> the entire past 20 minutes shoots it all down in flames and <laughs> makes it all pointless <laughs> all right so that's that but you know there's, you know, there's a lot of you, you, it's, it's hard to say I don't like such and such because then you know sometimes I, say, I don't like country music either you know that was a bit country music too I don't like country music but then sometimes I hear a Dolly Parton song and I love it you know just love her voice you know love the little turns in her voice okay okay so um, I'll just stop there you know I just felt like chatting um, I, this episode is just going to be a lot about me just chatting on the road about anything but I'm sure I'll get back to the point and I, I, um, I interrupted this podcast to bring you all of this. And I don't know what this was, but I'll take you back to this now. And you'll find out what this was about because I've forgotten. Alright, so, black and white. Let's get myself into a black and white frame of mind. And where did all this black and white stuff come from? You know, and I'll just throw up a few ideas, vomit style, and see what, see what, you know, and then inspect, inspect that. Um, get down on my hands and knees and inspect what I come up with. A little bit like the way the, the, the ancient Romans used to slaughter a chook and let its entrails spill out onto the ground and then inspect those and then decide whether to go into battle or not. You know, let's do that. Um, okay, so um, first there's the element of difference, you know. Um, there, you know, like there's redheads and there's non-redheads. 
you know. So that's a point of difference, you know. So redheads, you know, might, if they were in the majority, might tend to pick on the few brown hairs or the few blondes and vice versa, you know. So there's that background aspect to humanity, um, you know, that is like, um, you know, background, you know, when you're studying radiation, when when telescopes are looking into the universe, looking up into the sky, and um, they're trying to detect um, uh, signals coming from outer space, uh, there's a certain amount of background radiation, you know, and then there are the blips on top of that background radiation. So, you know, we tend to filter out that, you know, we tend to, all right, accept that, that's the background radiation, um, but that doesn't, that's not all we're looking for, okay? And the same goes with um, the idea of difference. Um, and, you know, people might say, look, humans are always going to look for difference, you know? And yes, that explains the black and white thing in a bra- background sort of a way. That is there. But it doesn't explain all of it, is what I'm going to argue, you know? Oh, another aeroplane. Um, it's on a steep turn. Looks like an Airbus. I don't know much about aeroplanes. My dad used to fly aeroplanes. He'd be very disappointed in me. I'm a big failure. So if you've got a room full of brown-eyed kids and there's one blue-eyed kid, you know, that kid, if the other kids notice, um, might single that kid out and call him, call him blue eyes, you know? Um, and may pick on him, because he's different. Same goes with redheads, you know. Um, and the same goes with uh, anyone who's a different colour, you know. And I, I'm reminded again of, I was reading Sinbad the Sailor, uh, admittedly an Enid Blyton uh, version of Sinbad, uh, translation, uh, retelling of Sinbad the Sailor. Enid Blyton, by the way, I tend to marry her in my mind to Captain W.E. Johns, the writer of Beagle's books. They're often mentioned in the same breath uh, in terms of the whole black and white thing. They both come from a social construction that was the English perspective on, you know, in the war years, the English perspective on, um, you know, the attitudes, the English attitude towards... Uh, native indigenous peoples in other countries and separately but sometimes at the same time uh, black people okay so the black white thing matters to people I think like uh, Enda Blyton and Captain W.E. Johns the writer of Biggles books who is one of the you know Captain W.E. Johns is one of the inspirations for this episode in this podcast the episode you think should never be made perhaps unless you're AB okay here we go from, you know, uh, Arabian Nights. And um, there was a great king in Persia who had matching black and white slaves. So he wanted to impress Simbad, who was a visitor, and he had a great feast. And on the left, he had the black slaves, and on the right, he had the white slaves. Now, my daughter's just starting her horse riding, so I'll pause it there. But let's just hold that thought for a minute. 
that there is an aspect of difference at play and we will humanity naturally discriminates on difference so that's there you know but what i'm going to argue in a minute is that's not all there is you know some people will note that that's there and say that's all that's there and it's all about that but i think there's more to this story than that Actually, I'll drop that line of thinking right there. Uh, you get where I'm going. There's background a uh, aspects of um, discriminating on difference. But in the rest of the episode, somewhere in the rest of the episode, I'll explore if, you know, whether there is a major black-white thing going on in the modern world that is above and beyond the background uh, discrimination on difference that has occurred all through history. If there's something special about modern black-white discrimination that is above and beyond, you know, the, uh, let's say, the brown Persians discriminating against blacks and whites in terms of having matching black and white slaves, black slaves and white slaves, serving at their dinner table, you know, whether there's something beyond that in the modern black-white uh, issue. Now, you might say there is no black-and-white issue unless you believe there is a black-and-white issue, you know, and why are you even making this podcast? You know, even I might argue that in, with my normal um, thinking cap on, but I'm stepping outside my own context here and, uh, and I, out of respect for racists, as we would call them in the 21st century, like Captain W.E. Johns and Enid Blyton, um, out of respect for their contexts, um, and, um, uh, you know, I'm going to try and look at it from their perspective, where colour does matter, you know, black and white does matter, not colour, black and white does matter. And out of respect my, for my friend A.B., who thinks it's vitally important to bring everything back to black and white, um, out of respect for him, you know, and out of respect for Naz too, who wants all people, even people who've got only a small uh, portion of African, you know, black African skin in their skin, um, to unite against the whites. So, you know, I don't want to ignore all these guys, these black and white thinkers, um, Naz, you know, A.B., Captain W.E. Johns, Enid Blyton, you know, you can say, just ignore those guys, but, you know, they're very real in this world, and they matter. You know, Now, on the other side of the fence, you've got people who say, you shouldn't be making this episode at all. People like me, in my real life, you know, who really likes to go through life, like, you know, and my f Ethiopian friend, um, who, for whom black and white really does seem to be irrelevant, he just... He just cruises around my suburb and I don't think even people even realise he's black and white because he, he doesn't make a, deal, a big deal of it, you know. He hasn't got that, you know, even in the way he walks he hasn't got a chip on his shoulder. He just, you know, he's popular around all that coffee shops and all that sort of stuff. And I don't think anyone twigs that. And he's the exact same uh, race, let's say, as AB, for whom black and white is a major issue. So because it's an issue for AB, it's an issue for everyone around AB, you know. 
Um, but around my other Ethiopian friend who I won't identify, um, I, I, do you know some people, depending on their attitude, you can't see their skin colour. Is that a crazy thing to say? I could be wrong there. I, I dare say complete racists do notice anyway. Um, but how does he deal with that? i got a feeling he he has this easy-going way where I think he'd even disarm that sort of thought most of the time, you know? And he's, you know, um, he's got a great job and everything, and he, yeah. And, well, and I told you already, my suburb is um, a white bubble, as um, rap people might call it. But I don't think that's relevant to him at all. I don't think, you know... Anyway, there you go. They're the two sides of the fence, and I'm going. This episode is, um, and I'm going to explore why, for people like Captain W. E. Johns, um, and Enid Blyton, and A. B. and um, and um, Naz, you know, and not Michael Jackson, uh, think that it matters if you're black or white. If you want to be my baby, okay? If you want to be my baby. Hey, don't blame me for that one. That was Michael Jackson. All right, on with the episode. And I don't know where this is cutting back into the episode, you know, uh, because I'm, I'm recording these bits and just throwing them in the middle somewhere. So if, it, if there's a disconnect, um, yeah, who cares? What you're actually doing is you're emptying your head from one perspective but later you're going to empty your head from another perspective. And right now I'm emptying my head from what I perceive to be an A-B perspective. You know, my friend A-B um, brings everything back to black and white. He really does. Okay? And I've got born-again Christian families who bring everything back to God. You know, I personally, in real life, bring everything back to football. Okay, so we've all got our thing. You know, you can be talking... No, you know what I really do? I bring everything back to Rome. Because I love Rome. And I love football. Um, but, uh, you know, my little pet hobby is ancient Rome and Greece, you know. Um, so when it... You know, people can be talking to me about um, flowers or something. Not that I know much about flowers. You know, they could be talking about anything. You know, zebras who've lost their stripes. You know, someone could be telling me about it, you know, they, they were on Facebook the other day, and uh, and they saw a post, and a zebra had lost its stripes, and the poor thing was getting called a horse, you know, and um, I said, oh wow, that reminds me of, that happened in ancient Rome once, <laughs> and off I go, you know, and people do that, you know, and born again Christians do that, and bring everything back to God, and said, um, that zebra is a miracle, that sent by God, um, as a sign that um, we should not discriminate between zebras and horses, you know, as what born-again Christians might say. And A.B. would have said, did he lose his black stripes or did he lose his white stripes? Because that's what matters, you know. So this is where I'm coming from. Okay, so, so I've argued there is a thing called difference, you know. And um, now... I argued before, and I remember, um, that um, when you're studying um, 
signals coming from space, you know, signals telling us where galaxies are and black holes are and all this sort of thing, and where aliens are, and, and you know, discovering microwave radiation coming from deep space and coming from the microwave oven downstairs in the tea room, if you're talking about the, the radio telescope at Parks in Central Australia, in Central New South Wales. I, told, I talked about that in another episode. That was hilarious, a funny joke. Um, and real. Um, but there, there is the background radiation. All right, so there's a, there's a background context of um, the fact that people would be discriminating on black and white because just, you know, if you're a black person, you would have this sense that white people are different because of the colour of their skin, you know, and, and vice versa, you know. And then a layer above that might be superstition around that. I know in Africa, for example, uh, they have albino people who are seen as special because of the colour of their skin, but that's a different thing altogether. So it's a layer of superstition on top of that, um, where difference is perceived to be... Um, something to do with the supernatural intervening you know and we do that a lot in the world if you get a very rare difference um, then the majority feels that this is aberrant and assigns all sorts of meaning to that you know and the obvious case is you know well what do they do to albinos in Africa I'm not sure what they do, but there are some areas where they, you know, they capture them and chop them up, you know, and I don't know what they do with them, you know. If, um, if I was Captain W.E. Johns, which we're going to get to, who was a racist, um, I would be suggesting that they do all sorts of things to those albinos, you know, uh, and I would be saying that we, that they do that because they're black, you know, and that's what blacks do. I'm getting to Captain W.E. Johns. I'm looking forward to talking about Captain W.E. Johns. He's gonna make, if you've got straight hair, it's gonna make it curly. Right, and vice versa. Right, with the, and now, um, so, uh, but right now for the black holes and the, uh, and the galaxies far, far away, um, the extra meaning above, the, the, the extra stuff above the background radiation. Right, now, white and black, the, the differential there has taken on an extra life of its own, you know, and, um, and trying to get inside of AB's head, I would suspect he's making that sort of claim uh, that, yeah, black and white goes far beyond now, just, uh, you know, um, we, this is just, this is not just normal discrimination based on skin colour. You know, it's not in the same league. It's a different animal than discrimination on red hair versus uh, non-red hair, you know. There was a famous, and I'm, I don't know the details about it, but I heard it from a psychologist. There was a famous experiment, experiment done once where um, blue-eyed children and brown-eyed children were told something was true based on the colour of their eyes in a classroom and then they were separated and then one of those groups, I don't know which one, really doesn't matter, let's say the brown eyes was told they were um, they were superior and the blue eyes were told they were inferior 
and then voila, um, the two different groups, this is like child abuse, isn't it, this experiment, I'd like to know the terms of um, reference for the experiment, but um, there were children in that classroom who had been previously good friends, where one was blue-eyed and one was brown-eyed, and they ditched each other, and all the blue-eyeds started to get together, and the brown-eyeds started to get together, and, um, and sure enough, the brown-eyeds started to boss and be bossy uh, and louder and the blue eye than the blue eyes. Okay, that's interesting. But I'm, I, I think um, the black-white thing is even above that in the world today. And that's what I want to chat about now. I want to chat about that the... I want to actually propose that the black-white thing is, is a beast that has got out of control. Hmm. And again, I can hear... Uh, my real self saying would you just stop talking you're talking the more you talk about it the worse you're going to make it you know I can hear myself saying that to this alias under which I'm speaking in this podcast you know in this episode I can hear myself saying that to myself here um, uh, so why am I considering why am I um, going to keep talking about it I don't have to give a reason I'm just talking about it and that's the end of it it's important to AB so I'm going to make it too important to me in this episode. If the real me thinks I shouldn't be talking about it so much, well, I'm not going to shut up AB, am I? He's going to talk about it this much, so let's just hear from him, you know? And you know there's people who are the opposite of AB. AB is actually a dark-skinned. He's not black, I don't, you know, like well, you wouldn't call him black. He's brown. But black is black in AB's world. If you're even a little bit black, you're black, you know? Um, if you've got any African blood, you're black. All right, so get yourself into that mindset. Now, there are people on the other side of the fence, and I've actually got a gold standard sort of person on the other side of the fence who's the opposite of AB, and that's Captain W.E. Johns, the author of the Biggles books of my youth. All right, so we're going to end up talking about AB, who's coming at it from, as it turns out, an Ethiopian-African context, uh, because he happens to be Ethiopian, Ethiopian, and uh, then we're going to have a look at Captain W.E. Johns, and with both these guys, Captain W.E. Johns, who writes Biggles books, and also, and he's white by the way, uh, a fighter pilot in World, in World War One, and who ended up writing books, racist books, but books that are a rip-roaring yarn, and which, in an edited form, I read to my son. Can you imagine that? Racist is all get up, and even my real self thinks that, and yet I'm still reading them. You know? Um, can you understand that? Can you believe that? Uh, but I do. And But I haven't told you. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of rewriting them, believe it or not, and switching all the racist bits, you know what I mean? Because the, the yarn is still good. So I actually read a... Um, I read a version of the Beagles books to my son that have, has had all the racism stripped out and it's all stripped back to Nazis versus English rip-roaring sort of um, yarn with all the racism taken out, you know? If, if, if Captain W.E. Johns talks about gollywogs, for example, and he talks about things much worse than that, um, then 
you know, obviously the word gollywogs is gone, you know, um, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about something else there, you know, I'm very good at reading but editing as I go. All right, so that's that. Uh, don't judge me, you don't know what I'm up to <laughs> in real life. I got a few layers going on. Yeah, you got a few, a few layers of idiots. <laughs> All right, who cares, you know, um, I'm just emptying my head. Right, now back to what I was talking about, AB. Um, so, what does, what's AB up to? Um, black and white. Now I'm gonna actually try and, try and work this out. And I've hinted at all of this in the past, and you know, we're three and a half hours minimum into this podcast now, this episode, and I really think this subject is so out of control, the world speaks millions of words about this, there are thousands of rap songs that go on and on and on and on and on and on and on about it, you know, and there are racists, you know, and there are people going on about it who um, regularly discriminate on people who have got dark coloured skin, but furiously they say it's not about the colour of their skin, it's about their culture, you know. I am not a racist on skin colour lines, they say, you know what I mean? But I do discriminate on culture and I'm not going to apologise for that. You know, they say things like that. But it's not about the skin colour, it's just that people with skin colour happen to have this culture. You know, blah, blah, blah. You know, so there's, this is out of control, this whole discussion, and cannot be explained away by just saying, oh, it's always been like this with humans, you know. Um, people have always discriminated on skin colour. You know, the brown Persians used to have black slaves and white slaves, so nothing's changed, you know. It's just, you know, you're getting all, you know, too involved, you know. But I've just pointed out a few different people here where it really is white hot, and I think in a different way than has occurred in history at a guess, all right? I think we've got something unique going on in the world. And to a certain extent, I'm arguing from an AB perspective here, all right? So I think we've got something unique. Now I personally, in real life, might not be anything like a Captain W.E. Johns, and I might not be anything like an AB, and I might not be anything like that guy that I just mentioned, whoever he might be. Um, you know, it's not about skin colour, it's about culture. I might not be that guy. You know, I might be all those guys. It's not about me, this podcast. But it's really important, I think, in my, and I'm just emptying my head, I'm not trying to be political, it's really important for me to say, I can't actually just sit here and say that any of these guys is right. They're all right for themselves, you know what I mean? These are all perspectives and I want to explore a lot of them. So I'll end up being hated by everybody, you know, because whilst I'm, whilst I'm explaining the guy that is um, pinning it all to culture, Look, he probably is. You can't say he's being evil. In his head, it might not be about skin colour, you know. He might be playing the odds, you know, and he might be saying that most people... Oh, I don't even want to get into it, but you know what I mean. You cannot say that in his head it's not about skin that it is about skin colour. You know, you can actually go right up to his nose and say... You are just avoiding the fact that you do make, you do think it's about skin colour and you're hiding behind culture. 
you know, you can scream and spit into that guy's face and say, it is, it's about skin colour with you, it's about skin colour with you, it's about skin colour with you. And he'll just scream and spit back at you and say, it's not, it's not, it's not. And you say, it is, you know. And this is what the, this is how the world argues these days. And I hear that it's that way on social media, which is on, I'm not on, but, I've, you know, I've been exposed to it in my time. Um, and I even experimented with it under a few aliases, you know, years ago, just to see what was going on in there. And people do do that. They stand nose to nose, spitting in each other's faces, you know, online, um, and quite likely giving themselves, giving each other diseases from the spit, you know. All right, so that's what the world's doing. Now, me, what I'm doing here is I'm just... I'm just thinking from one person's perspective, then the other person's perspective, then the other person's perspective. This would not fly, what I'm doing here. And you know what? I might be completely misguided in even trying to um, approach all these subjects because it is a fraught subject, you know. And you can say it shouldn't be a fraught subject, but then I would say, yes, but it is. And you say, yes, but it shouldn't be. If only everyone would think like me, it wouldn't be. And therefore, it shouldn't be. And I said, yes, wouldn't Woulda, shoulda, coulda, you know, I would say. It doesn't matter whether you think it shouldn't be a problem. It is, you know. You can you can say to me, and I don't care whether you're AB or Captain W.E. Johns or this other guy that, you know, this fictitious guy I just made up, or a progressive, you know, or someone who genuinely... For whom skin colour is genuinely, and my brother's like that, skin colour's absolutely irrelevant. He's a wonderful person, my brother. He takes each person he meets in the world on merit. And I actually really like him for that, you know. You know, if he, if he meets someone, he says, you're a good bloke, then that's good. But the point is, any one of these guys can come to me and say, it shouldn't be such a problem as it is. It shouldn't have spun out of control so much as it has. You know, it should not be something that the whole world is going on and on and on and on and on about so much. It shouldn't be the case. And then I would simply say, yes, but it is. So I'm going to chat about it. And then you might say, but why are you using so many words to go on about it? And I said, it really doesn't matter. You know, I can spend 18 hours right now talking. You probably, there's no way anybody's listening to this podcast anymore, but I've got, I'm doing this for myself. Um, even if I've spent nearly four hours now, talking along these lines in this one episode seriously who cares you know rap singers are singing you know chanting endlessly about all this stuff the whole world's talking endlessly about especially from america you know but everywhere else too here australia too it's a huge deal now i don't care if i'm saying i'm taking too long to get to my point here the whole world has been talking about nothing else practically, you know, for years and years, all my lifetime, and they've got nowhere either. So if I, if you think, if you think I'm getting nowhere, then, if you think I'm getting nowhere, someone's tooting, but I don't know why. Can you hear someone tooting? I'm, it's definitely not me. I'm in, I'm in a crowd of traffic here. There's a lady next to me who's going a bit slow, maybe. Um, all right, now, um, 
yeah, so I'm just going to take my time. I might even just say nothing for the next six hours, um, only in deference to the fact the whole world is that stupid anyway, as stupid as I am, you know, wasting time. Like, I'm wasting your time right now. The whole world is like this, you know. Um, so, you know, I'm reflecting how badly humanity is dealing with the white-black issue just by virtue of the fact of how much I am obfuscating just now, you know. There you go. All right, but I will move on now. Now, try and make sense of how did the black-white thing get out so out of control? How did it get out of control? And I'll get to that now. All right, let's have a think about that. I, um, and I've hinted at some of my theories, which arise from other people's theories, and one of them goes like this. And I've got to keep AB's perspective in my head as I do so. There did come a point in history, and I think it's relatively recent, when Europeans... Um, there's a guy in front of me who's swerving wildly from lane to lane. I honestly, if I could video this, I'm on a freeway and there's a guy in front of me, and I'm almost going to see a crash here. I'm, I'm not joking. He is swaying from left to right. I mean, we're in horrible conditions. It's raining. Mm. I'm almost tempted to turn this podcast off and put my video on in my front window. Something could happen here. If you hear a loud bang, you know this podcast is over. Okay, folks? But I'm staying a bit behind this guy. Right. What was I talking about? Um, yeah, there came a point in time when white people, uh, you know, um, this, uh, believed themselves to be superior than people, and I think it was Europeans. I think there came a time when Europeans thought they were superior, down to a DNA level, you know, before they knew DNA existed, but down in a fundamental way. Um, sorry, I'm going to stop there. This guy is swaying. No, no, I won't. To hell with him. Okay. There came a time when Europeans thought they were superior. Right, we have that in play. Um, and that co- and I think that arose from the fact that they got a technological and scientific jump on the rest of the world. So Europeans were what they called white people. And, no, I am going to stop this. I'll be back soon. We've got a problem here. I think someone's drunk. And I'm inspired by a fair few people in particular, for example, Geoffrey Blaney, who argued, you know, he's an Australian historian, who argued that... The Europeans got a a technological jump. It was a huge technological and scientific and philosophical jump. Got a huge jump as an accident of geography. Right. Now, I'm I'm not going to go into that. I've mentioned it once before. But Europe is all left and right. 
geographically across similar um, latitudes, and no other no other continent is like that. You know, they're all up and down. Africa's up and down, and it doesn't. Two kilometres. Take exit 16 onto 24 towards High Street Road. And it doesn't inspire competition. You know, the shape of Africa. Now there are other things at play too, climate and all sorts of things, and topography. But Geoffrey Blaney argued, and I'm fairly convinced about this, that Europe was, you know, at a particular time in history, very set up for good competition left and right. And it was a bit geopolitical as well, alright? That's what he argued. And I'm fairly convinced by that idea. Okay, now there was another time when all the left and right competition stuff was happening, you know, cultural and war, you know, and culture sharing and ideas sharing, everything, all the good stuff and the bad stuff, but the point is a whole lot of cross-cultural colonisation, if you like, you know what I mean? And there was a time when all that left and Take right... Take exit 16 onto 24 towards High Street Road, then turn right onto High Street Road. When all that left and... Oh, sorry, left. When all that left and right stuff um, was, I think, between Rome... You know, the Mediterranean world, so Egypt across to... In 500 metres, turn right onto High Street Road. The Fertile Crescent, across to Persia, across to India. It was all happening left and right there for a long time. But then circumstance, you know, the way the world went... Use the right two lanes to turn right. Um, that whole dynamic shifted up into... Turn right. Yeah, I'm going to. Europe proper. Okay, and just like the Mediterranean world across to India dominated for a long time, suddenly Northern Europe started to dominate, all the way from England, across France, um, and across right across to Eastern Europe and across to Russia. You know what I mean? And um, and that became the dominant thing. And Italy was sort of at the centre of both worlds. You know, Italy was involved. Stay in, both in the worlds. left two lanes. So in the ancient world, you had famous Romans and Greeks. In 2.4 kilometres, turn left onto Glen Tower Drive. You, um, and, um, and in the modern world, you know, Copernicus, well, Galileo and all that were at the centre of it too, and the Medici family, they were all there with the Renaissance and all that sort of stuff as well, you know. So Italy happens to be in both worlds, in both eras. All right, but there came a time, just like the Romans of old thought they were superior, and the Greeks especially had a big superiority complex, um, the Europeans caught that, you know, the whites. And, the, you know, I, just for fun, let's call the, um, the um, Romans and the Greeks, let's call them olive skins, you know. Um, you know, they're fairly white in the north, but I think, you know, the north of Italy is fairly white, but I think that's because of, you know, Austrian sort of influences and all that sort of stuff, is it? You know, um, you know, because um, the north of Italy, especially, um, was very impacted by Germanic groups and all that sort of stuff. Um, okay, let's just move on. Um, so I think there came a time when Europeans became very dominant. I mean, you know, the ones that you would call whites, that the Greeks called whites in times of old. In one kilometre, turn left onto Glen Tower Drive. Right that the Greeks called whites because they called the Gauls the whites, 
because I think gall comes from gallo, comes from milk, means milk skins. All right, so there came a time when the milk skins uh, became, you know, got, got the big techno technological edge and they looked around the world and they saw that everyone who had white skin, right, now they, I think they drew an illogical conclusion, a fallacious conclusion here. This is my personal opinion and you can have a different opinion than that. You can. You can if you wish and I'm not going to stop you or care. Um, think Turn that, left on Tickland Tower Drive. You can think that white skin equals more, you know, brains if In you like. Meters. At the roundabout, take the second exit onto Glen Tower Drive. Um, and I'll pause there, otherwise you'll know where I'm going. That might have sounded a little bit paranoid. Me worrying about you finding out where I was going. Uh, but, you know, especially given I'm using a false name anyway with this podcast the sporty monk which is a joke you know um but i am a little worried about getting tracked down uh because i could lose my job and um you see in real life i'm fairly socialist progressive and whilst there's no danger of me losing my job being a socialist progressive at the moment I'm a bit worried about some of the rules my fellow socialist progressives are putting in place for the future um, <clears throat> there's rules about what you can say and what you can't and there's rules uh, about um, um, you know you have to when you're signing a contract to get get a job, you know, for example, if you want to be a footballer, you know, because that's a job these days. Um, so if you want to um, get a job as a footballer, you have to sign a contract that says that you'll not, you know, say certain things that might be to do with your religion, for example, which might hurt the feelings of other people, you know, and hurt their feelings quite badly, you know what I mean? Now... You know, and I agree, you know, I kind of like all that, you know, because I'm a socialist progressive as well. Um, so that I don't mind. I'm not going to lose my job in the short term. But what I'm worried about is um, that uh, you, the, it's not so much the what rules are being put in place at the moment. It's the fact that the rules even exist because, you know, sure as eggs the worm will turn uh, soon enough you know eventually there'll be a swing away from my own politics you know what i think is right and good in the world um and there'll be a swing to what you might call uh more pauline hansen kind of views you know um and uh and when that comes my fellow socialist progressives will have already put in a um, a structure of you can lose your job if you say something counter to you know the values of the day all right so they will they will have already put that structure in place 
Now, I'm in no danger right now because my values are synchronized. You know, we're a match for, you know, the values that will allow you to keep your job right now. But I'm worried about in 10 years or 15 years and my fellow socialist progressives are putting a structure in place. And, you know, for example, right now, if I wanted to be a footballer, you know, those days are gone because I'm 56 now, you know. But if I want, let's, let's say I wanted to sign up to be a footballer now, I'd have to sign a contract which, um, you know, puts curbs on my ability to say what my, you know, my, well, my religious values, you know, all that sort of stuff, because it could cause hurt to others, right? And that's okay. Um, but what could happen is 15 years from now, and... You know, I don't want... And then the classic case at the moment is Israel Falau, you know, who quoted from the Bible, essentially, on Facebook recently and said, um, you know, basically quoted whatever part of the Bible it is that says if you, if you, you know, if you're a thief or a homosexual or anything like that, um, then you'll go to hell, you know, something like that, all right? Now... In the old days, um, you could say stuff like that. Even in more, you know, even in the progressive eras, you know, of when I was younger, which were progressive, you know, um, you could still say that sort of stuff, and everyone would roll their eyes, you know. Um, and of course, probably some people committed suicide as well, you know. But you'd get preachers actually uh, down in the city. Um, who would have billboards around, you know, like boards around their necks. Um, you know, put aside your homosexual ways or you will be sent to hell, you know, and everyone just walked past him and just rolled their eyes, you know what I mean? Because he's a nut job, you know. Um, but, you know, there's people who are religious who aren't nut jobs and actually believe this stuff. Now, none of this is a problem for me right now because my values are in, in um, nice synchronicity, <laughs> If that's a word, I got that from the police, <laughs> uh, the the rock, the rock band police. Um, now I'm I'm fine now, but in fifteen years ago, if the worm turns, the structure is in place, and it is um and you know you might before you can sign a contract, um, to play football, it might there might be a clause in that contract saying, do you believe in Jesus? You know, and if you won't sign that contract, you, you know, I hereby, you know, because that's the values, um, that, you know, it is the values of this land that, you know, we've, we've had a swing back to Judeo-Christian sort of values and it is seen as moral, good and right that, uh, you know, imagine some crises. We have some major terrorist attacks, one after the other, and it even, it even descends into war and out of the war... You know, look, not a war like in World War Two, World War One. We have, you know, sort of um, remote control nasty wars now. You know, um, bit different. But um, you know, imagine there's some turmoil and a bit of starvation in Australia and all that sort of stuff, and people do it hard, and we come out of it, and there's a huge swing back to Judeo-Christian ways. You know, and um, it becomes um, a moral, good and right thing to quote that passage of the Bible that says homosexuals will go to hell, you know. 
So now that would be a, a problem for me, you know, because I'm fully support. I might even be gay for all you know. Um, but I don't, I don't want to disclose that here, even under my alias, you know. But I may be, I might be gay, you know. Now that could be a problem with me because um, someone might put a contract in front of me one day and say, um, you know, and, um, and, you know, let's say I get a job for Qantas, the airline. Now, right now, um, the values of Qantas are that LGBT and all that sort of stuff is absolutely moral, good and right. And anyone who speaks against that is liable to get the sack from Qantas. You know, if you do it openly, you know, you'd, you'd be in a lot of trouble. But it could swing and Qantas could get another, you know, uh, Qantas has got a, a CEO who is, um, I don't know which of the LGBT, you know, I think gay, you know. Um, but, you know, um, uh, Israel Folau, I think, when he said, warning, homosexuals, repent your ways or you'll go to hell, you know. Qantas rang the football league, the ARL, the Australian Rugby League, and said, I hope you're going to do something about this. I don't think he said much more, but they understood. And uh, Israel Folau got the sack. All right. And it was in his contract anyway. And and that's the bigger issue, the fact that it can be in a contract, perhaps, you know. Not right now. It's not a problem for me. I'll sign anything like, you know, that that is in the contracts like that now. I will sign those things, you know. I hereby, you know, say that... I'm a huge supporter of LGBTQI, you know, and, you know, Rainbow and Indigenous and Torres Strait Islander flags as well, you know. And so I'll have the Rainbow flag, the Indigenous flag and the Torres Strait Islander flag under my um, signature block. No problem at all in my emails, you know, no problem at all. But what happens if 10 years down the track there's a structure in place and the worm turns, and I have to sign a contract saying that I, um, I uh, repudiate, you know, like that, um, I think it's an evil thing, LGBTIQI. Now, it could be an issue uh, because um, the structural, you know, no, you know, and everyone who's putting that in place will say, sorry, but this is a, this is these are the rules you made you know you put this structure in place um and we can curb your right to speech against christians you know if you say things against you know we're having a huge swing to literal christian sort of belief you know and it may be in a contract or if you get onto facebook or something and you say something like anyone who believes that um you know that the world wasn't created in seven days is a nut job, you know. You could lose your job. And uh, using the same rules that they're using now, um, because that will be called hate speech, you know. You're hating Christians, and Christians will be hugely dominant, and they'll be seen as the good people. And, you know, if you say things like that, um, you will be hurting Christians feelings you know like hurting them badly and some of them might even commit suicide depending on how you know they might riot in the street and someone might get killed you know and it might become a real problem people speaking out against christians you know and um yeah so now all that was ridiculous of course
Yeah, I'm making half of that up. Yeah, I'm not really a socialist progressive. But then again, I am a little bit, you know. But it was a good fun little discussion to have. <laughs> Make of that what you will or won't. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, I probably went a bit far, but there's some truth, you know, there's some truth in all of that absurdity I just spoke. Okay, moving on. Let's get on to it. Um, longest episode in history. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.